Hey guys, it's Aaron here from Both Coast Bias, and here's what's coming up on today's episode. I just recently got back from Chicago. Jonas and I will recap what was an amazing All-Star weekend, as well as some things that we liked, we didn't like, and things that might concern us moving forward when it comes to the NBA All-Star game. We'll talk about all that and more, and we'll also give you a quick recap on everything that happened in the XFL this past weekend. But alright guys, let's get to it. He took a walk down Navy Pier. He had a Chicago dog. No ketchup on the hot dogs in Chicago, which I never got. Whatever. Call me a freak. Call me a weirdo. I'm fine with ketchup on my hot dogs. He had a deep dish pizza. He looks super fat. I'm just kidding. (laughs) You look great. The cheekbones are still intact. Aaron is back, and it's good to see you, Aaron. This is Both Coast Bias. I'm in Los Angeles, and by I, I mean Jonas. Aaron is back in Orlando where they're still holding protest parades over what happened to Aaron Gordon. Hey there, Aaron. Hey, what's going on? You know, you're right. I did have some wonderful hot dogs with relish. You know, yeah. uh, I, I love relish. I love a little onion on there as well. Uh, did not have any deep dish pizza. But really? Jonas, I, I will tell you what I did have. I don't know if you guys have this in Los Angeles. Um, at Publix here, there are these frozen pizzas, and they're called Home Run In Pizza. And I'm not sure if you've ever had them, but they are the, I stand by this. They are the best frozen pizza brand out there. It's tremendous. And they're based out of Chicago. And so on my flight, it's called Home Run in Pizza. And yeah. And so as I was walking to my gate to come home, as I'm walking through Chicago Midway Airport, I see Home Run in Pizza. And I'm just like taken aback because I didn't know they were an actual chain. I didn't know that they had actual restaurants. And so I did stop, get some home run in pizza, enjoyed the hell out of it. You know, and it's so much better than the frozen version, which I was but before impressed. your flight. You did that? I did. I did. You're brave. I'm a big don't eat too heavy before I get on an airplane just because when you're on an airplane, you just never really know what's going to happen. But I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. I've never heard of that. Uh, Aaron and I were, were talking before we got on air here about how truly, and it's interesting you bring up the pizza because we are, we're both into fitness, right? Uh, fitness. This whole pizza in our mouth. On our fitness. But, <laughs> but so, so I, I know the reason you choose not to eat, but I, I know how to combat that, Jonas, because I fly Southwest and when I fly Southwest, I always get to pick and choose my seat. Right. And I always go with the aisle for that sole purpose, just in case, you know, for some reason I need to get up, I need to move. And I always go aisle back of the plane. So I'm not in the middle of the plane, looking towards the front, looking towards the back. And then if you sit in the middle of the plane, even if you get up, then there's always a chance that someone either in front of you or behind you isn't looking to see if someone got up and they get up in front of you. And it's just like, it's bullshit, man. Do you have a preference on the side of Southwest that you, that you sit on? So I'm a big aisle right side facing forward but that's because i have a hip problem because i'm an old man who has geriatric bones and so i need to be able to stretch my left leg a little bit more into the aisle so i I always prefer to be right side aisle no i I didn't know people actually have preferences about that but while we're talking about southwest i want to give them a shout out i don't know if you saw this jonas but um on my flight to chicago i was kind of you know, it was like five o'clock in the morning and I was being yeah. an old man grump 
And I tweeted, you know, because that's what everyone does when they're upset with air airlines. They just tweet on social to the actual airline to <laughs> air their grievances. That was part and, of our journalistic uh, holy triumvirate, right? Yeah. Air, airplane problems. And then what was it like? Uh, Bruce Springsteen, something like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so, like, I, I tweeted, I was like, man, there's nothing worse than having to stress about where you're going to sit on a freaking Southwest flight. And Southwest tweeted back at me and they go, okay, boomer. And I was like, damn, Southwest has freaking roasted me. And then I responded with lols, I'm not a boomer, yo. And they secured you, dude. They, oh, they, they put it right into your heart. They did, but, you know, the, the, the person who was tweeting back was so nice. You know, they, they said – uh, then they had a follow-up response that said, in all fairness, we're not, we don't have plans to change our seating policy, but we do wish you a great flight. And I said, no worries. You guys are my main squeeze when it comes to flight or flying, you know, just some days are more stressful than others. And so they said, Hey, slide into our DMS and we'll see if we can take the stress out of your day. And I was like, damn oh. Southwest. <laughs> Is like Southwest trying to like meet up with you somewhere at like their their hub is in Phoenix, right? Like maybe quickly hop off the plane and Southwest treats you with a little love and tenderness, like Robert Kraft style. I'm not sure what they were trying to do, but anyway, they ended up giving me a code to use um, Wi-Fi yeah. all day. And so I have until October to use that code. So I'm going to San Francisco in a few weeks. I'm going to use that code then. And I was like, you know what? Allison from Southwest. I get you. I get you. I'm about oh, so to. they didn't like treat you uh, like lovingly. They more just give you a Wi-Fi code, which is big these days. Uh, that's nice of Southwest. I can appreciate customer service like that, especially when it comes to the other companies. Like United is garbage. Spirit doesn't care about people. So I'm good for Southwest. I like Southwest, but that's that's not why people are tuning into this show. This is both coast bias. Well, we're gonna have a little bit of Aaron's recap from his time to Chicago and the NBA All-Star Weekend. It looked like a ton of fun. Uh, really headline-worthy All-Star Weekend, which is truly all you want from an All-Star game. And then we are going to touch a bit on what happened or what is still happening in Major League Baseball. To Aaron's point last week, people are talking baseball right now with, with teams just now reporting to camp. There's headlines. I guess it's sort of what they want. Rob Manfred is still a putz. Aaron and I were talking about before we got on air here, though, that he wants to be a vlogger. He's trying to be a, a YouTube sensation. And we were just looking. It's like I, I had never heard of this I, Justine. I said he's, he could be the next Jake or Logan Paul, just not as douchey. And have you seen that they're – did you see that they're basically now amateur boxers, those two guys? No, I, didn't see I don't that. know if you'd be willing to do that. No, I, I'd, I'd get my ass beat. So we were just trying to find the market inefficiency so Aaron could become a YouTube sensation. So Maybe full-time WNBA. I just didn't know if there's enough for Aaron there. What about Legends Football League reporter? They rebranded. We talked about this. Oh, and that, again, you don't have the body type or the gender to be a reporter for the Legends Football League. That's right. What, what, what was their, their rebrand? The X League. The Extreme the League. League. That's right. In an right. era when the XFL has come back. By the way, Wildcats suck. Yeah, they're not good. But don't worry, the the Vipers aren't very good either. Maybe they can meet each other in like the, the toilet bowl or something at the end of the year. The worst part is because it's such a condensed schedule and it's only 10 games, like you lose your first two games out of the gate. I don't know how you how you uh, 
get back from that. Season over. Sorry, Wildcats I, and Vipers. Speaking of which, I am going to the game this weekend. They're having their first home Ooh. game this weekend. That kind of sucks for them. They had to start their first their season at their inaugural season, first two games on the road. Yeah, not, not only that, their first game was in New York. Their second game was in Seattle. And then That's right. back home. Like, why can't you divvy those up? I wonder if maybe Raymond James had something going on, so they couldn't give them a home game. Are they playing at Raymond James? They are playing. Oh, God, there's, it's going to look so empty. Like, I, I'm sure there will be people there, but it's going to look – they need to do the soccer stadiums. Yeah, so, so let's talk about that. Like, if the XFL is going to survive – I mean, we didn't talk about this off, off air about that we were going to bring this up. That's fine. That's your XFL show of record. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I think that's, that's one of the key things in order for this league to have success is um, – so I, I think a few of their teams play in smaller, smaller stadiums, right? Mm-hmm. DC plays in a soccer stadium. LA does. Um, LA does. And then the – is it the Dallas or the Houston team? I think it's the Dallas team is going to play where the Rangers used to play, the old ballpark. Yes, they, they do, because Houston they, plays where University of Houston plays their football yeah, games. Which I think that's still going to look big, but, I mean, that's like the pathway to success for this league, right? One, they already have the, the network TV deal. The next is to, if you draw 17 or 18,000 people to make that stadium look full, because then it just sounds better on TV. So here's the thing. I, I did see a picture last night. I didn't watch the games this weekend. It was more of a college basketball weekend for me. I'll tell you what. If there's something alternative for Seattle or Seattleans, Seattleites, I don't know what they call it, satellites, whatever they call themselves, they'll go find it and they'll do it because they are playing. They love their teams. They love their teams, except for the Mariners, like the, the teams that are like mainstream. So – I saw the picture this weekend from the Dragons, the Seattle Dragons, first home game, and they were playing at the Seahawks home stadium. And again, the lower bowl looked pretty full. So that's what you had. You got to find the right fan bases too, like the weirdos that are going to come out and see this because DC looks like they're filling it up because they hate the Redskins so much. Yeah. They want some football. Uh, Seattle will support it because they're wacky. Houston didn't come out for their home opener. I haven't seen anything about Dallas. But you, you just got to find these right markets, I think, also. Like, I will be the first to admit, putting a team here in L.A., probably not the best idea if you're looking for full stadiums. I get it. There's a lot of people here. Like, even if you get a small percentage of people, it's a good amount of spectators. But you got to go to where the wackos are. And Seattle's yeah. perfect for it. I just wonder why, when they were assembling where they were going to put teams in markets, why they thought if they just maybe wanted the two biggest media markets to say that they had an XFL team. Yeah. Like when, when you're constructing where you're going to put these teams, why not put one in San Diego? Or was it just based on what cities had stadium availability? Yeah, viable infrastructure. Where's the New York team playing? Actually, I don't even know. They're, they're playing at the Meadowlands, which makes oh, no sense. Yeah, because they should be playing where the Bulls play, where I think there's a, there's a second secondary soccer team in new york too right uh nyfc actually plays at yankee stadium so that oh, do they may really? not work yeah. Uh, yeah that's not gonna work but yeah I, I mean that doesn't make sense to me either you know um so because i would think los angelans have a little bit of football fatigue whoa, whoa, whoa. angelinos get it right wow wow los angelinos sorry but I would think that Los Angelinos would have a little bit of football fatigue after going so long without having an NFL team, getting the Rams back, then the next year getting the Chargers back, 
And then all of a sudden you have dueling fans like trying to pick and choose which teams they want. Now all of a yeah. sudden they got the Wildcats and <laughs> just God for two teams in the Los Angeles market that have really good names, you know, like the Rams and like good branding and the chargers who have fantastic social. And then you have yeah. this fucking team that's called the Wildcats, And you're like, you're like, what the hell is this generic ass team? Oh, it's the most generic. Like only thing that's more generic than the Wildcats would be what? Like the Eagles or the Falcons. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like there's nothing more generic than the Wildcats speaking as someone who's high school, our mascot was the Wildcats, but at least it's Windward. That's it sort true. of flows. Windward Wildcats. Still the, generic though. Uh, it just makes no sense. So um, I, I want to get your take on this. Have you watched any XFL? Week one, I watched a decent, like a half of Washington versus Tampa, right? Yeah. Or Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. Uh, and then I watched the first quarter of the LA game because I wanted to see what our team was going to be like. Could kind of tell that they stank. And there was, and then I turned it to the Duke UNC game. That was much better. I didn't watch really any of it for week two, so that's not a good sign that my viewership has dwindled as the the weeks have gone on. But hey, I actually do want to go to a game here in LA because I feel like I missed out on going to a Chargers game at that soccer stadium, from which I heard was a cool experience to be in such an intimate environment for an NFL game. And it's sort of like the knockoff version, right? So I, I kind of do want to f around it and see a game there. Um, no, I, I, I think I think it'll end up being a lot of fun, and I think it's going to look cool on. It's TV. like what twenty, thirty bucks. I'll, I'll do that. Yeah, it's it's not going to be anything. What do you think of the rule changes? Were there any that you were maybe specifically in favor of? I don't mind the the new kickoff, you know, because I think football needs a kickoff. It is called football, and yeah. that's about the only instance other than punts and field goals that involves a foot so my biggest issue with what the nfl has done with the kickoffs over the year is if you're going to move it up and if everyone's getting touchbacks then why have it because you still want it to be a viable opportunity to score points right and with the new xfl rule i do feel that there's a chance with a couple broken tackles some missed lane assignments uh, some good blocking there's an opportunity for a change of field position right and a potential for a kickoff return for a touchdown so that that's that's the one I think I like the most. I couldn't care less about the two forward passes, things of that see, nature. See, what I really liked was kind of the internal debate that you start having when someone scores a touchdown. And yeah, you're I trying, like the conversion trying, stuff. Yeah, you're trying to figure out where you need to get score-wise. Do you need to go for one, two, or three? Because I think conventional wisdom would be if you are um, an NFL team, and I think a passing-heavy team, a lot of people will say that it's easier – to convert from 10 yards out as it is supposed to five or two yards out, you know, because defense has a little bit more room to work your offense, your receivers have a little bit more room to run their routes and it just opens up the playbook a little bit more. So I kind of thought that was fine, you know? Um, So I think there's an opportunity for the NFL to look at some of these rules. And I don't know if the sample size that we're going to get, someone did the math, but what you have eight teams who play 10 weeks, so how many games is that a week? That's that's four games a week. Yeah, they do. So, yeah, so you have 40 games in a regular season. What does that equal out to, like, two weeks of an NFL season or something like that based on the sample size of what these rules will be? I try not to do math on air, so I'll, I'll leave that to you. <laughs> well, what? There's, there's 32 teams. 
They, yes. So 16 they, games if everyone's playing. Yeah, they play 16 games a week, and so you times that by 16. So two weeks is yeah. 32 games. Um, it's 56 games. And no, that's not right. That's not right at all. <laughs> Hold on. This is why I don't do math well, on six, it. Well, six times six is 36, right? Yeah, last time I checked. So you would have 16 over six. So you would put the six. Or am I doing this as in... <laughs> Hold on, hold on. Area the two, inverted. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're really struggling here. I'm e just, equals uh, MC squared. I'm just going to go to my phone and do 16 times 16. So it's 256 games in an NFL regular season. So that's like a 16th or something like that of what an NFL season is. And so I don't know if the sample size for the way these rules are carried out is going to be enough for the NFL to even consider them. But I think they're viable options. Sure. And look, if nothing else, they're just trying to satiate people's bloodthirst for football, right? All for your the love of the game, the XFL. For the love of the game, baby. God, I miss the smash, smash mouth version. Of Here's the why they came to LA, right? This is where the defending XFL champions live. What was the first league? They couldn't even give them the same name. The extreme? That was a little yeah. bit too extreme for this new generic watered-down XFL, man. Yeah. No, more, no more demons. No more New Jersey, New York hitmen. No more outlaws. Didn't we play this game? I think I still remember all the, the team names from the original XFL. I wonder if maybe they just decided. The Memphis go, Maniacs. I wonder if maybe they just decided to go super generic to kind of like wipe the scent off of, you know, just kind of the stigma off the original XFL. Oh, for sure. And then maybe if they make it to a season two or three, they're going to start adding some personality to themselves. Well, remember, they. They used to have games called in the original XFL by Jesse the Body Ventura, who I know used to play football, but at that time he was still more of a, a personality than he was football analyst. Whereas this year, or what they have going on right now, they've got Joel Klatt, right? They have Greg Olson in the booth. <laughs> These are legitimate football productions on Fox and uh, ESPN slash ABC. So right, right there, it's just bringing a little bit more legitimacy. Plus the fact that every single franchise looks like as you mentioned before, they were in Madden Create a Team. <laughs> the logos and the colors and the team names. It is just so ridiculous. Ah, but anyway, we opened up a show with the XFL on a weekend where probably the most has happened in the NBA. Well, uh, speaking of diff rule changes and different ways to do things, yeah. I mean, that's did where you, like, you were. Did, did you like what you saw from All-Star Weekend? Very much so. I mean, I, you and I are both NBA fans, and you host an NBA podcast, so you kind of have to be. but. I have known about the Elam ending for a few years now. That's what they do in the basketball tournament yeah. uh, during the offseason. And I was excited for it, and it lived up to it. Are, are, you, are you talking about did I enjoy the weekend as a whole or just like the game? Because the whole experience to me was a blast. Yeah, it was definitely one of the better all-star weekends that we've had in recent memory. Uh, so I have two problems with it. Uh -oh. you, had, you had two tremendous events. One, these – NBA All-Star Slam Dunk, and they don't call it the Slam Dunk Contest. They just call it NBA AT&T Slam Dunk. Slam dunk. Um, and you had this tremendous event that ended on a dud, right? And I was in the building for it. I was watching it. I was covering it. And it just felt like someone was letting the air out of the balloon the entire time with kind uh -huh. of like the dunk-offs and then how they were trying to get the scoring right and they were trying to get a third dunk-off. And it felt... It's a made-for-TV event, but it felt more like reality TV than an actual contest. And then on the second night, 
which is the third night of the All-Star Weekend, because for people who don't know how this works, they do the Rising Stars game on Friday, which was wonderful. That was one of the better Rising Stars games, I think, that we've There's ever so had. much and, and beautiful showed, talent coming up. It's amazing. And it shows how good of hands the NBA is, because mm-hmm. eventually LeBron, who is 35 years old, he's already an elder statesman in the league by far. Yeah. Um, he might only have five more years. He might only have three more great years at the level. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Three years seems a lot for the level of LeBron that we're getting right now. If it was anyone other than LeBron, yeah. you know, that would seem feasible. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he's still playing at the level that he's playing in the midst of his current contract is kind of amazing because he's halfway through that Lakers contract already. Mm-hmm. Um, but to have Luka Doncic, to have Trey Young, to have John Morant, Zion Williamson, all in that basketball game and all showcasing the league in a positive light and showing how much fun it's going to be moving forward, I thought that was important. Uh, and then you have the skills, the three-point contest, and the dunk contest on Saturday. And then Sunday, which is technically supposed to be the highlight of the weekend. So <laughs> um, it's great. It's wonderful. Um, it's not the biggest event. I think Saturday night is the biggest event of the weekend. And then Sunday night is just kind of the capper. Um, it was a lot of fun to have them competing for something each individual quarter. It was amazing to watch the two charities that were kind of behind the stanchions. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. And as I heard, I think it was either Howard Beck or Mr. Michael Lee put it on their podcast, the full 48, you know, to have little Timmy sitting up there in the stands, you know, with real implications on what happened on each quarter. I think that did have some kind of effect on the players, you know, they were going through that. And so that was a cool little wrinkle. And then for the way the ending worked, the fourth quarter did not have a clock. It was a target score of 157. Team Giannis led after three frames, so all they had to do was get 24 points in the final frame in order to win, while Team LeBron needed 33 points to get to the target score. And so that that was great because I do think that was – maybe one of the most competitive stints of basketball that we've ever had, certainly in an all-star game and, and, you know, potentially in in a long time in an exhibition game in the NBA, I'm not going to say hyperbole and say that it was one of the best quarters of basketball ever in an NBA game (laughs) because those, those ends to finals are just tremendous. You know, when those final 12 minutes go up on the clock, um, but you could visibly see that they were playing for something and that it meant something to them. And that was the most fun, you know, to see a, a perfect example of Kyle Lowry, junkyard dog, right? <laughs> Defensive guy sitting there grabbing people most of the times. Like it was so on brand for that dude to take two charges in the fourth quarter. <laughs> and LeBron was like, what the hell are you doing? man?" <laughs> but that's, I mean, that was something you never see in the All-Star Week. And then to have it end on a free throw, you know, <laughs> and that felt so deflating. And credit to Anthony Davis. I don't know if he meant to do this, but missing the front end of it uh, and a adding drama. a little suspense and drama to it before sinking the second one for a Team LeBron win. But it just felt like you had these two great events that ended on duds, you know, and it was a little disappointing. The, the thing with the kids that really got me, because you're right, they had the, the T-shirts on, and you could hear them over the broadcast, which made it actually an electric atmosphere over the, the television screen, which we're not accustomed to at an All-Star game, because you could hear them going, Giannis, Giannis, Tim LeBron, 
Team LeBron. And the only problem is, so Team LeBron ends up winning the game, and they bring both groups onto the court. And the, the Team Giannis team, the Greek Freak team, is standing there, and they look so deflated. So when you they do want $100, have hundred thousand dollars compared, I know, to and Antetokounmpo and donated an extra hundred k after the game. I think I saw. Yeah. But when you put competition and it's leading to money going to charities, I I actually sort of felt bad that these kids got dragged out. There's like, we lost, we didn't get that much, so that was kind of tough to see. But it was still two hundred thousand that they didn't have before, so they can't yeah. complain that much, and. It was really interesting with that fourth quarter and the, and the Elam ending. And you're talking about Kyle Lowry taking those charges. And I don't know if the refs necessarily knew what they were getting themselves into. Because I felt like at the beginning of that fourth quarter, they were still like having fun. They didn't really necessarily care about the foul calls. And then the players got after it. I don't know if the refs knew that by the end of it, if they made a foul call, they were going to have luminaries such as LeBron James James Harden, you know, Chris Paul getting up in their faces, barking about foul calls in an all-star game. I kind of was taken aback by that. It was hilarious. And it ended up being very fascinating. The free throw was, yeah, it's unfortunate. But could you imagine if, like, those were the endings to, like, the finals? I I tweeted this, too, with an Elam ending. Because what it creates is it's always a walk-off shot. It's never just a team dribbling out the ball, right? Uh, it's always a walk-off, free throw or not. It, it, it made it fascinating. So that that's what I liked the most. They probably would never integrate it into an NBA game. Yeah. But I, I, I thought, if nothing else, both events created buzz, which for an all-star game is all that you can really ask, right? Yeah, we, we can talk about the dunk contest and kind of my thoughts on that in a second. But sure. my, my concern is uh, you see – how intense those players were in that final quarter. And <laughs> they were yelling at them. They, they were, and, like, they, they wanted the win, which was great to see, like, LeBron politicking for it and, you know, kind of work on the refs a little bit because those are all things you don't <laughs> traditionally get in an All-Star game. But my concern moving forward is, you know, everybody loved this, and there's always an extra wrinkle to the – I think the NBA has done a really good job of adding extra wrinkles to the All-Star game to – make it intriguing and make sure that it doesn't get stale. You know, like uh, a few years ago when they got rid of the East versus West and they just added team LeBron yeah, yeah. and I think the it team was, captains. Yeah. Team Kevin Durant in the first one. And maybe it was Steph Curry. Curry. Yeah. Maybe, Curry. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, that adds an intrigue to it and the draft that they do is exciting. And so, um, and then to add this little bit of a wrinkle to it, now all of a sudden you have people so excited about it, you know, but what happens in next year in indianapolis or down the road in utah in a few years when someone does get hurt in that final frame because you that's what i was worried about yeah and you know if lebron gets hurt in that game the lakers are going to be pissed if anthony davis gets hurt in that game the lakers are going to be pissed um and so that's that's kind of in the back of my mind is that yeah this is great and it's fun and it's what an all-star game should be and it's how it should be played and it's competitive but man, that's scary. You see those guys diving on the floor in a game like that, that doesn't matter. You know, it's one thing if those guys get hurt in a game representing their own team, but to do it in an exhibition game in a corporate environment after a weekend where they've probably already been worn out by having to do media and all the other corporate bullshit that kind of goes on, on with those events. But it was great, you know? 
I, I was worried about injuries actually because they were they were going at it, and you mentioned Kyle Lowry taking charges. I don't. Nick Nurse was his All Star coach. You really think he was sitting there saying, "God, I'm really glad that Kyle Lowry just put his body on the line." Didn't Kyle Lowry just come back from like a broken hand also? also yeah. So yeah, to have them like slapping at each other and ripping at the ball, I was worried about broken fingers. You're not wrong. So we'll see how this goes on from here. The players seem to love it. The buzz was there. And I personally don't hate what goes on in usual All-Star games because it showcases the skills. The ability to see Joel Embiid, a seven-footer, go out there and put in an in-game windmill dunk. Oh, it was I think yeah, it was amazing. Was wonderful. And then to see how intense Giannis was on the defensive side of the ball against yeah. Milan, you know, because those guys were checking each other. And, you know, you could tell that Giannis really wanted to win that game. Like that yes. meant a lot. That would have meant a lot to him. He went hard in the second quarter. He, he he wanted that basketball game, which was fun. And you know, it it was a great cap to a wonderful weekend. And then on on Saturday night, that was a lot of fun. You know, it was the first time the All-Star game had been back in Chicago since 1988. And yeah. for people who don't know, 1988 featured perhaps one of the best dunk contests of all time. You had the human highlight reel and Dominique Wilkins opposite of Michael Jordan in the final. And, you know, you know the, the crazy thing about that event, Jonas, I went back and watched that uh, yesterday just because I was so intrigued by it. Those judges were harsh in that event. Like they were handing out 42s and 43s. I mean, I think LeBron got a, or not LeBron, I think Jordan got like a 44 on one of his dunks and only got two 50s in the entire event. Um, my biggest problem with the dunk contest now is so in 88, they had seven guys enter that event and they had seven guys who wanted to be in that event. And you look at it, and today you had four guys in this year's, one of which felt like a novelty in Dwight Howard. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, I, I get it. And the tribute to Kobe was nice, and to have a big name like that back in the dunk contest. But Howard can't. It was embarrassing for him. His, his know, back has sapped him of his powers yeah, over the years. You know, it's just not the same, and you, you can tell that he's not the same player that he used to be. And to have him come out and do that Superman dunk like he did in what was how, how long ago was that? Um, Dude, we were still at KU when, when he did that, the Ulster game in New Orleans. Yeah, I was thinking it was in New Orleans, but I couldn't quite remember. Like nine, oh, nine, ten, maybe. Yeah, and you know, his version of dunk this year was maybe half of where he caught that ball back then. <laughs> yeah. And you could just tell that it, it looked like garbage. And they gave him a 49 for that dunk, which was a higher score. Than both Derek Jones Jr. and Aaron Gordon had in the final round, which was ridiculous. And that's my biggest problem is the judging is so favored now. Um, and well, had two non-basketball players judging also. Yeah, which is kind and, of weird and, to me. And the problem was like, while the dunks were tremendous, you know, and the dunkers are getting better based on their athleticism, their ability to jump, uh, based on all the pilo stuff that they do. Um the dunks have gradually gotten better. And so the scores are harder to give because they're so impressive, but Aaron Gordon had five straight fifties in that event. Yeah. Eric Jones jr. Had like three or four fifties in that event. And you had a couple other guys get fifties and 
it just makes it so hard to crown a winner when you're consistently doing that, you know, and you're just pushing guys forward like that. Uh, so, you know, I didn't necessarily have an issue with the way the judging went down in the final event, but it was weird to see that for similar dunks that they got fifties on before they were giving them 48s and 47s in the final dunk after they were having to improv because, you know, you only Aaron Gordon said in his post game press conference, you plan for four dunks, you come to do four dunks. And those are the ones that you get ready for. You don't come to do six dunks like they did. I thought the Dwight Howard Statue of Liberty dunk was actually pretty underrated. I, th- yeah. I think it was his first one, but yeah, you, you're not wrong. I just think they put on a pretty all-time show. I There wasn't dunks that Gordon and DJJ did that I didn't think were 50s, to be honest. Like I th- every, every single one, even the ones that they ended up not getting 50s on at the, at the very end, I thought were still pretty unbelievable. So I, I think with the freak athletes that we have, we're just seeing things, seeing things that we've never seen before, which is making it hard on those judges, especially when one of the judges is the Black Panther. But so <laughs> really what I want to see is, I know Gordon says retired, but it would be awesome if we could get Derek Jones Jr., who's a freak, Aaron Gordon versus Zach Levine, just those three, maybe do like a four-dunk dunk-off. I think that would just blow up social media next year if they were well, able and- to pull that off. And that Maybe was incentivizing. That was another problem. So the events in Chicago, you, your panelists for that are, I believe Common was on there. Um, yeah. Candace Parker was on there. D Wade. Uh, D Wade was on there. And then Chadwick uh, Bozeman. Yeah. Chadwick Bozeman. And, and so my, my problem was Common's perfectly fine. Common is based out of Chicago. He grew up in Chi, which by the way, his song to open the event on Sunday night and his introductions were just tremendous. Like, didn't he like r- rhyme Antetokounmpo or something ridiculous? I yeah, saw that. Yeah. Like, like some of the rhymes were a little iffy and he was, you know, he little was, try- he was trying, but the like, if this city could talk song that he did. And if you haven't seen that, you need to go on social and look it up because it was, it was just amazing. Um, but so you have this event in Chicago Zach Levine's competing in the three-point contest instead of the dunk contest, which doesn't make sense. And then all weekend, there's no MJ. I did not, find that weird. Not not except for the Jordan brand, right? Like the the, yeah. the all-star jerseys were Jordan brand. The all-star jerseys were Jordan brand. Uh, Jordan throws a party every year at the All-Star Weekend. Um, but did you go? And no, but he was. <laughs> you know, the only. The only time you saw him was he was in the opening scroll video that they had, and that was pre-produced. You didn't see him in a box. You didn't see him down on the court. You didn't see him courtside waving. And, you know, that's that's got to be frustrating for Chicagoans to not have him there in some capacity. But, you know, how cool would it have been to have Michael Jordan and Dominique Wilkins judging side by Ooh, side in that yeah. event? Because yeah. Nick was there all weekend. You know, you saw him everywhere. Do you think that's a – I know Jordan's a pretty – I mean, he's he's relatively private these days. Like, he keeps to himself. He's not in the media except for when he needs to be. And he's he's now an owner of the Hornets as well. Uh, so his affiliation has almost just switched. But do you think that's a product – because the biggest headline I thought heading in, the most that I saw was how frustrated, I guess you could say, Chicagoans are with the franchise and how decrepit the Bulls are. So do you think that was more of a product of him – not wanting to associate with the Bulls at the moment 
Or do you think that's just more of him not bothering and saying, I'm Michael Jordan, I'm doing whatever the heck I want. If I want to show up, I will. If I don't want to, then I'm not going to. I think he's just done his civic duty as a member of the NBA and has done everything that he needed to do during his career for the media. So he's just doing what he wants. Yeah. And I, you know, for him personally, he probably realizes the Jordan brand is so large. um, Yeah. And it's so overshadowing that maybe he thought his presence would kind of, cover up some of the beautiful things that happened this weekend that we saw, you know, with the young players and then the dunk contests. And then, you know, maybe he just didn't want to steer the conversation about Michael Jordan in Chicago. But I think so. I feel like MJ feels like the type of guy who, if he wants the conversation to be about himself, then he'll make it like he's so savvy as a businessman. I think he's, he is, but at the same time, he just does what he wants. He's never out in front ever. You know, even last year when the All-Star game was in Charlotte, I think the only time that you saw him was when they did the ceremonial, like, ball handoff. You know, they did the ball that handed off from Charlotte to Chicago, and he handed it off to the Reinsdorf, um, which was fine, you know, and that's all that he needed to be. And so Where's he, it next year? It's in Indianapolis next year. Okay. Yeah, it's in Indianapolis next year and Utah the next. So come on, NBA, figure it out. Boy, those NBA types are not going to yeah, like that. No, they they were they weren't even happy about being in Chicago, which was really just because of the weather. Yeah, at least they can party in Chicago, Indianapolis, and Utah. Like Utah, they're not going to be able to drink at all. Yeah, it it was bad, but it was a fun weekend overall. Um, I just thought that you know Ch- Chicago was so synonymous with Jordan, and Jordan was Chicago. You know, he is Chicago basketball. That even though he owns another team. It would have been so fucking cool just to see MJ there, you know, Whoa. and to have him wave. Like so effing cool. Yeah. Uh, no, you're you're not wrong. I actually did think that it was, it was like, oh no, because that's also who judged the slam dunk contest. Pip was in it. Scotty Pippen. Yeah. So uh, you're you're not wrong. Would have been nice to have like Phil Jackson show up from Montana, but he's probably too high. So I, I don't disagree with you. It, it the whole no Jordan thing. It, it's just his brand. The Jordan brand has had such a renaissance in like the last five to ten years right it's now the jordan brand never went away ever since he's created it but it's just really reinserted itself into cultural pop phenomenon and everyone's talking about their jays it's in every song right he now the jordan brand is now used by oklahoma and florida for their football teams and and michigan i believe so and and it's i know mookie betts is sponsored by jordan brand a a baseball player same with cc sabathia Derek Jeter was like that. So he, he's really making a renaissance in that avenue. And maybe he just feels as if he can lord over the world, even behind a, a logo and doesn't need to do anything. You know what I mean? They sponsor yeah. uh, PSG, the soccer team. Like they are the uh, outfitter for a world-class soccer team. So may, maybe that's what it is. Interesting stuff, though, Aaron. Uh, I think we're up against it. Right? I don't know if you set a timer on us, but we've had some good stuff. I quickly want to read you one quick headline that made me chuckle today, if you will. So with John Beeline stepping down today uh, from the Cleveland Cavaliers, there was all this talk that he used the term thugs around his players when he said he meant to use the word slugs. Okay, John, enjoy going back to college. We'll probably see you at Texas next year. But the term thugs also came up today because you're familiar, right, with Bone Thugs and Harmony? 
yeah. the, the band, the rap group. I believe, I believe they're a Southern California group. Uh, they today announced, and this is a great headline that we'll, we'll cap it on. They partnered with Buffalo Wild Wings, which is a weird pairing, I believe. And they are now calling themselves Boneless Thugs in Harmony, <laughs> which when I saw that, I That's lost tremendous. it. That's tremendous. I love that. And I, I hope we see some synergy between the two moving forward. I know B-Dubs is a big March Madness sponsor, so maybe we'll be seeing them a lot next month. Yeah, which, by the way, you didn't comment on my background at all. See, that's, that's Aaron Gordon. It inspired. It inspired. So Aaron's doing a bit of an iMovie type. Of, it's like forgetting Sarah Marshall, where Bill Hader is like, I'm going into space. Ah. So his background this whole time, I've been talking to Aaron, and I've been staring at Aaron Gordon trying, well, essentially the Jordan logo, split leg, yeah. Going over Taco Fall, the who is what seven five? Seven five. That was a pretty oh, remarkable dunk. That was a pretty remarkable dunk. Yeah, which by the way, I don't know if anyone else caught on to this, but it was a really cool moment for people here in Orlando. Um, you know, so Aaron's trying to figure out who he's going to dunk over for that last dunk, and he asked Shaquille <laughs> O'Neal, who of course was the original dominant center here in Orlando. You know, they drafted him at the ping pong ball, and Shaq goes talk to Dwight. And Dwight, of course, took the Magic to an NBA Finals, drafted him, was here for eight years. And then he goes, no, 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 Taco Fall. And Taco played down the road at UCF here in Orlando. Yes, he did. So you had this really nice kind of like collection of professional basketball players who all have some kind of connection to the Orlando market talking amongst each other. Um, I was surprised that that didn't get picked up more than it did. Yeah, I think people were just in so much shock over how the whole thing ended. I, and then on top of that, I think Dwight probably passed it off because remember how much heat he got when he let Nate Robinson jump over him? Yeah. That one. I, I think he probably learned his lessons like, I'm not having someone jump over me again and have people question my manhood. So it was cool. I enjoyed Taco Falls striped pants. Aaron is good to see. You were actually wearing a, swipe, a striped sweater today. I am. What do you think about it? Uh, it's, very, it's very Beetlejuice, except these are ho- horizontal, not vertical. But glad you made it back. Uh, give me your, your one overarching non-NBA Chicago highlight, and we'll, we'll cap it on that. Oh, so it's so on Monday, my flight didn't leave till 8 p.m., and I scheduled it that way uh, on purpose, oh, nice. uh, just so I could kind of have a day where I could explore the city. Did a you stay bit. in a hotel? I did or stay. Or Airbnb? Okay. Stayed in a hotel. Um, but it snowed on the last day there. So for people who, who don't know, uh, my hobby is like photography and videography. And so I walked around uh, the loop area and just took pictures okay. all day with some flaky snow. And it was the first time that I've been around falling snow in quite a while, which was great. Did you slip and slide all over the place? Like, whoa, wow, how do I deal with this? I did. And, you know, it was nice because it wasn't bitterly cold. It was cold. It was cold enough for it to snow, but it wasn't just atrocious. Like 30s, 40s or so? Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Which That's made it terrible, which was nice. Good. Chicago. Chicago is a great city. And I would say that Chicago's greatest strength is letting people know about how great Chicago is. Absolutely. And that's why they call it the Windy City. Aaron, appreciate it. I I believe we're going to try to gun for one more episode this week, right? I know we're here in the middle of it. But we will talk to you when that time comes. We'll probably do some more baseball at that point. We got a little diverted here by the XFL. But hey, we're your go-to show for all things alternative football. Until then... We will wish you a pleasant afternoon, evening, morning. It's a podcast. You can listen to it whenever you want. Talk to you then.